0: He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match!
1: Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Now look back at the first day's play in the England-South Africa Test match. I'm chuckling because it wasn't much of a day's play. Certainly if you're an England fan, uh, six wickets lost and uh, an absolute torrential downpour, finishing play at around 2.30 or so. It's still raining actually, as we're talking. Hopefully it'll be all right for tomorrow. Actually, it's funny, Simon, but it, looking at the rain falling and someone in a in box that I was st- stood in said... Has it, has it ever been as wet as this at Lords uh, before, with those puddles kind of, you know, just building up on the on the mound stand side of the ground? And I said, well, yeah. Funnily enough, they did my first class debut. <laughs> the The water piled up like that on the Saturday, and there were ducks on the huge puddle in front of the mound stand. So we didn't start the game until the Monday. And in fact, it's one of those bizarre stories where I didn't actually know I was making my first class debut until halfway through the game because Middlesex batted first and I was assuming I was 12th man. And we declared at about 240 for five because we'd lost a day's play to the weather. And it was only when the team left the dressing room that the captain might really said, why are you still standing in there? And I said, well, I don't know. I thought well, I was twelve man. He said, no, you're playing. So I had to hurry to get my boots on for my first-class debut, which was nearly two days into my first-class debut. Silly. Silly story. But that certainly was a similar sort of uh, Noah-like storm that, that hit the ground that day. And, well, today, you know, you really looked like a swimming pool by the end, didn't it? The amazing thing is when
0: you played and lord has got a dousing, you, you didn't play for such a long time because the outfield in those days didn't dry, did it? I mean, you, there were you know, countless games where, you know, you get a huge amount of rain and, oh, that's, that's it. Lord's all underwater and continues to be so for a few days. These days, once it stops, the drainage is so good, you can be playing in an hour or so. And there was an the amazing test match. I think it was involving Pakistan a few years back where the outfield was similarly drenched as it was today. And people thought, oh, not, you know, we don't play the rest of the day. And they were playing within an hour. So, yeah, there's hope for tomorrow. I think that's the point. Despite the fact that we have had a a huge downpour in London, it it certainly needed it. I'm not sure Lords needed it. Very green today. And the pitch just had a tinge of green as well. You know, often we say, don't we, it's a good toss to lose. Today actually felt like a good toss to win.
1: Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. I mean, there was sunny, sort of hazy sun in the morning, but it felt like a bowling day, undoubtedly. You know as a bowler you can feel it in your bones and I think it, it excites bowlers actually a day like today because there was no wind as well and that's important mm. because wind can really mess you around as a bowler and upset the hope for swing but if it's still like it was today and very sort of thick and no strong Sun to cause that heat rising from the surface to destabilize the air so a perfect conditions for bowling and very well utilized by South Africa
0: yeah, England would have bowled. Of course, they would, uh, and that's sort of their part of their plan—not not just at the sort of front end of the game, but also the, the the back end of the game as well. I mean, I just wonder how disappointed they would have been to to have lost the toss or someone. Would you have that sense of foreboding as as a batting
1: side? Yes, definitely, <laughs> especially with Anderson, Broad, and Co uh, with their hands on a Duke's ball. So. I just don't know what, you know, when you watch play uh, with uh, the Duke's ball and these high-class bowlers operating and the actual, the added element of the slope at Lord's, it just gives the ball a little bit of extra assistance with the cloud conditions, the the cloudy sort of conditions. I I don't know how an opening batsman can handle it, really. I, I don't know what you can do. Yeah, okay, if you analyse the England wickets... There was a a pretty loose shot by Alex Lees at the start. But apart from that, actually, you know, most of those balls, well, I suppose you could say Johnny Bairstow was a bit of a loose drive as well, a 93-mile-an-hour delivery. But most of the dismissals were balls which did something, and I don't really know what else the batsman could do.
0: Yeah, I mean, some days it's a, a a bowler's day, isn't it? It's a bit like, you know, when you turn up and the sun's shining and the pitch is flat and dry at the start. You know, it's, it's really hard work for the bowlers and it's a, it's a batting day. I mean, it did feel like really good conditions for South Africa. And the, the other point about... It, uh, today as well and you look at this South African bowling lineup. it's got some menace in it hasn't it I mean yeah. uh, you know there's not much uh, there's a bit of loose stuff from Norkia extra pace sometimes just goes quickly off the bat but you know they were on it and there's you know the, it's a real challenge it's a, it's a challenging uh, four-man attack and they you know they came up with they came up with the goods I thought you know Rabada for a man who hasn't bowled much uh, in recent weeks because of a knee injury I thought he was excellent He he just seemed right on it Right from the start of the game and he's, he's such a you know seriously good bowler as well you know he's, he's up up close to 250 Test match wickets
1: so, you know it's high class yeah it's high class and actually I was listening to Alistair Cook uh, talking on radio about ribalda and he made the point which I think is a really good mm-hmm. one that his pace varies and it's not deliberate it's just the way the ball comes out but he has a, such a, a, a lovely natural lithe approach to the crease which doesn't necessarily suggest that this is going to be rapid pace it's a real glide uh, into the stumps and then you know lovely rhythmical coil and uncoil of his of his arms to to project the ball down and sometimes he doesn't get it quite right so it comes out at 83 miles an hour sometimes it's absolutely perfect and I, i know from being a bowler there are some balls you just let go of them and it you know after you let go of it that just felt fantastic you know the The landing at the crease, you grip really well with your spikes and there's a sort of good purchase there and the snap in your your legs to, to get the knee braced and then the rhythm of the arms coming over and the head going down the wicket rather than slightly falling away. All that kind of stuff together, it's sort of a thousand little sinews and tendons all contracting and expanding simultaneously to project that missile down at 90 miles an hour. And you can't get it right all the time but his natural variation just makes him that bit harder to, to handle. Uh, by the way, just before we continue on that, um, just to say we are, uh, this test match, sponsored by Chapel Down Wines, who are the official sparkling wine sponsor of the English cricket team. And we're offering a magnum of Chapeldown Down Brute today to the winner of a little quiz question we're going to set you later. So look out for that. Uh, In the meantime, though, just to recap, England 116 for six, in a way, I don't know how they could have done much better. Obviously, Ollie Pope got half the runs, but even he was a bit chancy. And actually, I don't think 116 for six in those conditions against those models is too bad.
0: Yeah, I suppose what you know what we are yet to find out is how England are going to bowl in those conditions and you know, what sort of conditions England are going to get to bowl in you would think that it's not going to take south africa that long to to finish off england's last four wickets there might be a there might be a bit of a counter attack but i mean 116 for 6 with the the lower order they've got and the quality of the south african bowlers you you'd think you know your, your hunch is the most england are going to get from here is 160, 170, something like that the, the most. I mean, we have seen some remarkable things happen this summer. You know, we probably thought that when Bearstow and Overton were together at Leeds and they produced a standard 230. But it, it doesn't feel like that here. It, re- it really doesn't. And it, it, it's about the quality of South Africa's uh, bowling tech and, and perhaps England's th- sort of thin, lower order. So, you know, it's going to be a struggle. I mean, Stuart Broad might come out and play a, a few shots tomorrow. And Sometimes, you know, Stuart, if he gets away, he can be very dangerous. But it, it wasn't that consoling, was it, when he won 16 for six with this you know, the, the pace in the South African bowling attack as well. To see Stuart Broad coming out at, at number eight, you know, he feels at this stage in his career that he's probably a, a couple of places too high. He can do some damage, you know, if it's his day. But, I mean, eight was his position sort of much early on in his career when he actually thought, yeah, he could be a sort of bowling all-rounder, but it ain't necessarily so now.
1: Mm. Uh, we actually, we were talking in, in one of the boxes today. Uh, actually, Mark Nicholas and I were talking about a uh, batsman getting hit And uh, is there a case of any other batsman whose career has been so affected by being hit, whose batting career has been affected by being hit? I remember Andy Lloyd, the former captain of Warwickshire, getting crusted horribly by, I think, Marshall, Malcolm Marshall, Mm. against the West Indies. And he probably was never quite the same again. Graham Fowler, who we had on the podcast the other day, he was hit also by, by Marshall. I think he... Sort of got through it okay, but you know, Broad and and there may be others that that, that our, our listeners think of, but Broad has really suffered. Uh, his his batting has suffered. I know there's a stat out there which said you know before he was hit uh, by, by that Indian bowler Yadav uh, that he'd uh, that he'd he averaged about twenty seven or something with the bat, and you know ever since he's not never got close to that. So it's a shame really for him, but it does show the there is still some danger in this game. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about the top of the England uh, batting order
0: today. I mean, I mean, you, you mentioned, didn't you? You said Alex Lees' shot it was an interesting one, actually, because he he did play in that aggressive way at Edgbaston, that wonderful opening partnership in England's second innings, the fastest hundred partnership in the history of English Test cricket. And he, you know, he's playing his shots, and then he was uh, run out, mixed up with with Joe Root. And actually, I, I thought today that. In a way, it's still not really his nature, isn't it? And the shot he played wasn't really an Alex Lees shot. It's it's, But it's sort of like how England want to approach him. He actually played another one as well. He scythe sort of, the one over Markram at second slip uh, to bring up the first boundary of the match. And then, he, you know, he, I mean, it, it, it'd be funny actually to sort of say to Alex Lees, you know, to almost sort of look down on yourself and say, you know, six months ago, can you imagine yourself playing a shot like that in the you know first 20 minutes of a test match on, on a day in which you've been put in, in in difficult bowling conditions against an excellent attack I, I you know I'm sure you said
1: no I wouldn't even dreamed of of playing at that ball but I think uh, no, I think you know it's it's the effect that that severe pace extreme pace can have on batsmen even really good players is that at times they do almost lose sight of the ball and play shots, that, that are totally inappropriate. Uh, uh, you know, earlier on, a little bit before that shot, he got a short ball from Robada and he didn't look as if he picked no. it up. And it kind of cut back a little bit and he had to sort of jerk, jerk his head out of the way and the ball went through to the keeper. But that, even for a really experienced batsman, that can be quite disconcerting. And I uh, go back to Robada again. He's a very deceptive bowler and I think he can he can sucker you into to just playing those kind of shots because of the it's it's slight it's a combination of apprehension and to sort of reflex that makes you almost sort of flick at the ball in a in a slightly unguarded way and obviously it cost him his wicket do you not think it's got something to do with England's approach though that that, that lees feels he has to has to play in a particular a little way bit, but yeah I, yes i i i take your point on that sure, sure. but but i still think that yeah definitely if he looked if he looked at that ball again he would nowhere have played that shot i think it was it was in the moment and and the pace just deceived him into thinking the ball's a, a looser ball than it actually was
0: Zach crawley uh nine today I mean, it's a it's a run of low scores. It it continues really, doesn't it? And you know, it's 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 a huge struggle for him. Edge to, Markram at second slip playing a defensive shot. He'd actually sort of tried to sort of bide his time early on. Okay, I know it was his 23rd ball. So that's not you know, it's not a hugely long innings. He played one lovely drive, uh, down the ground, which is sort of the the Crawley that you know at his best really. Uh, was it just a question of he got a good ball? You yeah. know, some days you do. openers
1: get good balls. I think I think that's right. And and in Lords, I think Lords is one of the most difficult places to bat in the world when there's seeming conditions because you've got the slope as well. You've got the kind of enclosed stands which keep the kind of the, the air quite still if there's not much breeze around. It's just so difficult. And some balls hit the seam and nip down the slope, and some balls hit the seam and nip up the slope, and it's. It's just really difficult. I thought he played all right. He, he left the ball pretty much. He tried not to get tempted into those loose drives. He bided his time. He played the old good shots. And I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know what much about. What, I don't know what he could have done to that ball, really. I mean, you just need a wider bat sometimes.
0: <laughs> Joe Root, you talk about a bit of nip. Joe Root got one that came back into him as well, and it was the, you know, it was absolutely on the limit for a, for an lbw. One that came back from the, the six foot eight left armer Yansom. Uh, it was, I mean, just the sort of barest umpires' call. And it was, it was clipping, absolutely clipping the, the top of that. Uh, leg stumps. Some days it goes your way and, and, and some days it doesn't. I mean, Ollie Pope actually had one that was given not out. That Just was before. Umpires wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And
1: actually, that was more out, interestingly. Yeah. The one that, that Joe Root was given out to was only, you know, sort of kissing the stumps, not even clipping mm. them. And, and Ollie Pope's one was clipping. So, and that was given not out. I mean, it's a, it's a lottery, really. <laughs> I mean, Root was a bit unlucky there. I, I suppose I, I, I would have been inclined to give that not out. And Michael Holding will be on the phone saying, "Well, how was it not out? It was clipping, the, you know, it was touching <laughs> yeah. the stumps." And fair enough, it it was, yeah,
0: yeah. And the other the other point as well, we we should emphasize. Some people have I've seen one or two posts on social media saying, how, how, "You know, how you know it was it was barely clipping the stomach You know, it, it it was not out. Well, you know, the umpire on the field gave it out. So you know that was the first decision. So you know you you go with the umpire on the on the field, and it has to be cl- you know clear evidence to, to overturn that decision. And there wasn't. It was it was uh, shaving the stumps. Uh, in the old days, you might have got the the benefit of that the doubt on that. But you know, even in the old days, you know there were sort of ropey old LBW decisions where you know the, the ball you know definitely looked as if it was missing. You know it nipped back and it was going down the leg side or too high you know I, I can remember way back in a test match england pakistan when there was a i think it was madasa nazar was batting I, I don't know why i th- mentioned this but it was it was straight but it was obviously too high you know they, they were you know, they were given out some really poor decisions given out uh back back in the day and i i think decision making actually and and the accuracy of decision making is, is is much better generally is much better uh these days you know in international level the umpires have you know that they have got a certain sort of strictures to to work from and of course you know if they give the dodgy ones out then they're overturned and so you know even on the lbws you know you are you're out aren't you these days i mean root was out the ball was hitting the stump and you know that would have knocked a bail off and all you need is a a bail to be knocked off for a, for a batter to be dismissed well i mean i did
1: do this uh, like diagram um, during the england india series in india a year and a half ago I did a diagram uh, figuring out that because now umpires are giving those marginal decisions out quite often, the stumps have become, in the mind's eye of the umpires, almost a ball's width all the way round, on three sides, on the sides and on the top. The ball's width of the stumps it makes the stumps actually about 20% bigger in surface area. I mean, there are umpires who, of course will err on the cautious side and won't give those marginal calls which are clipping out but those who who do tend to give them out they are talking about a set of stumps which is quite a bit bigger than the traditional set the 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 traditional set in the umpire's mind in the old-fashioned umpire's mind in the dicky bird type mind where you know the stumps were only about one stump wide because it was not out (laughs) it was hitting him in front of off or leg
0: yeah Uh, so, Johnny Bairstow uh, in and, you know, he's, been, he's in great form, an unbelievable form earlier in the summer. He, he's had a bit of a dip, I think, you know, since you know, white ball and just the amount of cricket. He actually took a break before this test match. Castled by Norky, who really liked that one. I mean, he, he sort of got Johnny Bairstow in the way that you imagine a quick bowler might. Just finding that you know, full delivery might come back at a fraction and and through the the drive of Berto, uh, a good good bowling or a,
1: or a sort of bit of a lapse in in, in batting. I think actually very good bowling, mm. um, because he was at the nursery end and he was working up ahead of steam. Mm. And the, the the perfect ball, especially when a batsman first comes in from the nursery end, is one that goes up the slope because mm. you're looking as a batsman batting at the pavilion end with the bowling from the nursery end. You're looking to leave as much as possible because you think. With the slope uh, for a right-hander going away from you towards the offside, you're thinking, anything on off stump, I'm looking to leave because there's a danger of getting an edge and it's going to move away down the slope. So to make the ball move back up the slope is is really good bowling. And at that pace and on that length where Bearstow doesn't really come forward, you know, he prefers the ball slightly back of a length and just caught him on the crease, rattled through his... His defence or his uh, waft and absolutely brilliant bit of bowling. Yeah, I I mean, it caught him uh, bare bare so off guard a little bit. That's understandable when you first come in. You know, you're not quite uh, attuned to the bowling, the pitch, the light, etc. And he just got in before he was almost ready.
0: Yeah, and, and Norky's got that extra pace as well. I mean we're not we're not talking with Norkey. we're not talking about sort of ninety mile an hour bowler. We're talking a bit more than that, aren't we? We're mm. talking ninety two, ninety-three. Yeah, yeah he, he is rapid. Mm. And, he, and he gets it right, then it's, it's a it's a problem. You know, and also as well because you've got the support from the other end as well. It's
1: not just him, you know, Rabada's running and he's bowling high eighties as well. Jansen's got that height. And yeah, I mean the keeper was, is a long way back and, and he was taking the ball from Ribada especially taking the ball shoulder high he was three mower stripes and mower stripes back from the from the stumps and it's not just one stripe of the mower it's not just one line of the mower it's about 10 lines of the mower in one direction to make one dark stripe and then 10 lines of the mower in the other direction to produce a light stripe and then another 10 to produce another dark track, so long way back, thirty yards almost. Mm. Yeah, I, I I'm really impressed
0: with with Norky. I thought it would be anyway because he's he's just got something about him. Three for forty-three. Okay, occasionally he was a bit wayward, and then there was an uppercut from Pope, for example, and he bowled short and wide outside the off stump that was that was dealt with. But yeah, that's when you know close on five and over, but three big wickets uh, for Norky. What about Ollie Pope then? You sometimes I think you know, he's he's held it together uh, for England. 61 not out, out of 116. Uh, in a way, you know, he might not go on and get 100, might not have time, they might nip him out in the morning, but sometimes sort of tough runs in those situations for, for batters are, are more rewarding than, I don't know, 130 on a flat one.
1: And what I liked about him was the judgment, actually. Um You know, he didn't just waft at things. He left the ball, he... Defended well. I think he looked to get forward, which I thought was really good against the faster bowlers. He was trying to get his hands out in front and play the ball in front of his face, not too uh, not not too early, but under his nose, sort of thing. He was trying to get his weight forward and then looking to score. You know, looking to be positive without being reckless. You know, he was hitting nice cover drives, square drives, uppercuts, uh, good running between the wickets. I thought it was it was an excellent innings. I'd actually, barely played a false shot.
0: Yeah, that was a one just uh, before lunch, wasn't it? When he was he was moving towards his fifty, and he was dropped by Keegan Peterson at slip. A really difficult chance, actually. He was diving super like Superman style away to his right hand side. He got a hand on it, and Pope picked up a couple of runs, and then he drove the next one for four to to reach his half century. And and later in the over. Uh, ben Stokes was uh, dismissed you know, last ball before lunch caught by uh, Peterson at slip now what what about Stokes today I mean he's just do, uh, do we just shrug our shoulders I mean there were a couple of ways down the pitch trying to sort of hoik it into the the, the grandstand and missed it and yet the, the other part of his innings there was sort of, there were immaculate d- defensive shots weren't they? and then there were a couple of absolutely top class uh, drives uh, down the ground um, you, you you almost feel like, why does he need to do that? Why
1: does he need to sort of really sort of take it on in that extravagant way? Mm. We've said it before, and he had a horrible hack at Jansen early on, mm. came up the wicket, he was slightly short of a length, he had a big mm. wipe across the line, it just bounced over the stumps. You know, almost a third or fourth ball, he was giving himself room to knock here to try and drive him through the offside. I don't know, I don't like it. I, I know that sounds a bit old-fashioned and a bit negative, but he's he's a better player. He doesn't need to do that, and mm. uh, you know it'll, it maybe will come off one day, but I don't think it'll come off regularly. And obviously, he wants to st- you know, stay on message and and show the positive intent. And can't you know he'll say, "Well, I can't expect other people to play if I don't." I just think it's just a bit too much, really. And he could, you know, his his batting average has gone down, his test batting average. When he made that brilliant 100 at uh, Headingley 2019, you know, the the commentary line that you've got on this podcast, I think his average had gone up to about nearly 39. And I was thinking, this man's going to make 20 test hundreds and average well over 40, but he's now down to 36. So I think he's not giving himself enough chance.
0: Hmm. Well, it is a change for me, obviously. And we, we did see him... Uh, so you know, say during the Ashes, for example, he did give himself a chance. He tried to dig in, didn't he? There were times when he he, he was quite defensive at the start of his innings, and then you know, he's in for a long time. And then by the time he you know, went to play a few shots, he was, he was he got dismissed, and he was out for thirty from you know whatever it was, ninety balls or something like that. This is something completely different. So he, we know we know he's got the the attacking shots, the controlled attacking shots, and we know he's got the. The, the excellent defence as well. We know he can stay. Yeah, in, it's well, that's uh, for right. You're
1: absolutely right. But he hasn't got what he hasn't doesn't seem to have, and I think this is afflicting him a bit in T20 actually as well. He doesn't have many in between shots. He doesn't have that. You know, you look at Pope, and he he gets he might come down the wicket, but if the ball's not right there for against the faster balls, he just nudges it into a gap, and he can place the ball for ones and twos. Stokes doesn't really have those shots. It, it seems to be almost, you know, absolutely resolute defence, or really quite expansive drives and pulls. And there's, there doesn't seem to be that much deftness there. Which, you know, obviously he's not a, a an Ian Bell type of batsman where it's all caressed, and or a Joe Root where it's it's timing and everything. He is more brute force, isn't he? But and he's got an incredible eye. But I think. You just could have a little bit of of light and shade in between the the very resolute, determined defence and the slightly outlandish attacking shots. Mm. Don't think it's
0: going to happen though, yours. Okay. <laughs> not not well, for he's now, not anyway. Listen
1: to me, is he? <laughs> no. Well, it, it
0: it's it's how he wants to play, and we'll we'll see how it uh, develops over time. Anyway, he was squared up before lunch. Last ball before lunch from Nokia and he nicked it. I mean, it, it, it was good delivery. Yeah, Excellent. I mean, that's that's Excellent. the point. He was actually got out by a good ball yeah. caught by Peterson. Uh, in that third slip region, Stokes out for twenty in England. Uh, you know, a hundred for for five at lunch off of, of twenty six overs. And so that you know, there had been some aggression there uh, from England, but not the not the sort of outrageous aggression that we saw in, you know, earlier in the summer. Just simply because it just wasn't feasible. I think you know they had to back with a measure of care at at times, and and Pope uh, showed the way. Sixty one not out off eighty seven balls. He's only hit four fours. I mean, I think. He didn't time the ball particularly well today, and there were lots of twos. Quite, he started off quite a lot of threes as well. I don't know whether it was the outfield, the pitch. You know, it wasn't easy to to time the ball. The quality of the bowling. Anyway, he battled through, and he's he's back for more uh, tomorrow. But 116 for six yards. Uh, you know, the game has advanced a bit, hasn't it today? Although we only had 32 overs, England six down. You know, we're quite well into England's innings. Uh, where do you think the where do you think we go from here? Is, is it possible for England to you know fight back strongly on this surface or do you think you know sometimes sometimes we see at Lord's you know it, sun comes out, pitch dries out, it gets a bit flat, especially second day or do you think there's so much rain around today that actually you think there might still be some something in the, in the pitch tomorrow in England bowl?
1: I think it'll be a new ball pitch. Um, I think you know 30 overs it will do something, especially after all that rain as well. England, if, if they could get two hundred, they could get a lead. They could bowl South Africa out for less. I don't see them bowling South Africa out for one hundred and forty, but it's it's about a sort of one seventy five to two hundred pitch at the moment, I think. And it may well get better.
0: The point is, how long is how long is it going to stay a one seventy five two hundred pitch? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I, I think with the new ball, it will it will be tough but it'll probably flatten out over the sort of days three and four. So if England can get sort of parity on the first innings, bowl South Africa out for under 200 and make close to 200 themselves, then the pitch will play a bit better later in the game. And then it'll be all about the second innings, really.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think the feeling is that... The, the well south africa's strength looks to be in their bowling batting looks a bit sketchy but you know they are fighters aren't they? they're tough and you know it just needs one or two to play really sort of tough gritty substantial innings and it, you know south africa might well have a, a very useful first innings lead anyway we'll wait we'll wait and see on that the game hasn't developed that much uh, yet but it's developed enough uh, for uh, they're not to be a draw. The I mean, sometimes you get a day's play washed out, or possibly even a day and a half. You think, you know, are we going to get a, an outright result in the match? But it's developed enough today. Of course, I haven't drawn a Test match in in 41 games. Now, I think what we should do, yours t- to finish, we're giving away that uh, magnum of Chapel Down uh, champagne, yeah. and we've got a question for you. And the question is this, and it 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 it's a it's a from a a, a staff a veritable source. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pushkar, who is um, really good on on this sort of thing, part of the Virtual Cricket Club, one of our members Now, if England were to win this test match, they would become the first team in the history of the game to win 100 test matches in one city i.e. London So, here's the question, which team has won the second most test matches
1: in one city? Or, Or which city has seen the most test match victories by one country, yeah England are quite well ahead at the moment. They're on the verge of sometime in
0: the near future of, of winning 100 test matches in one city. But w- which city is next on the list for one team winning a high number of, or the second most number of test matches
1: in a city? Hope that question is, is clear enough. Yeah, and you enter it by uh, going to the analyst podcast at gmail.com. And I'll be checking the answers as soon as we finish this. And we'll announce the, the winner tomorrow. So go to the analyst podcast at gmail.com enter your answer which city you think it is and then we, we, we think we might get a few right answers so we've got a, a little tiebreaker Simon haven't we what is it yeah and the tiebreaker
0: is this sum up today's play in no more than 10 words so sum up today's play in no more than 10 words and we'll and the, the best the wittiest um, the most apposite answer if there is if we do need a, a tiebreaker you will win that uh, magnum of champagne and we'll read out your um
1: and we'll, we, uh, we might your, read your... out a few of those summations yeah. actually yeah. mightn't we so yeah well, give us a we'll... summation of the of the game anyway and mm. have a have a shot at the uh, the question mm. and by the way just to say chapel down champagne is a kentish champagne do you, do you like your english champagne um i'm not conscious of drinking loads of it to be honest uh Yods. Oh well, you should try some. Yeah, it's it's oh. now. You know now now that the weather has has gone like it has over the last twenty mm. years. Actually, the Sussex and Kent are some of oh. the best places for growing the grapes, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir that you need to make Champagne. And I've I've heard because I actually went and did some wine tasting last week in the Dorking area at Denby's, which is another English vineyard. And um, the, the the one of the winemakers there was saying that. Quite a few of the French uh, brands like Moyen Chandon and uh, Verve Clico are now investing in English farms, English vineyards, mm. to make so, some of their uh, sort of English version of their famous French champagne. So good place to, uh, to, to be growing vines at the moment, the south of England. And Chapel Down, as the official wine supplier, the official sparkling wine supplier of the English uh, team, uh, are very good at it. So that magnum of brute will be a delicious uh, addition to your weekend dining, hopefully. So we'll, we'll announce tomorrow who's won that. And there'll be another chance to win one in tomorrow's podcast as well.
0: OK, so that's it uh, for now. Have a go at the quiz, and we'll see how England and South Africa fare tomorrow. Let's hope the weather is better. I think the forecast is, is improving Uh, for the rest of this test match. Fascinating battle uh, between these two sides. Really impressed with South Africa's uh, bowling attack tomorrow. We'll see how their batting stands up against England's uh, pace bowling attack on the second day. That's it. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.